0: You can go back to the title slide. Those are in order. Maybe they're not. So we're out there. We got our okay. Yeah, we go. We are in our series about the Lord's Prayer. And recall, the disciples asked Jesus, "Teach us to pray." Before he went into this this teaching on the Lord that we call the Lord's Prayer, they saw how Jesus connected with God. Some of his disciples even saw how John the Baptist connected with God. And they said, we want to connect with God like that. And um, we'll show you some more pictures from the photographer Eric Pix, Pix, Pixergill um, about how we've lost the ability to connect with each other because of our devices. Let's go ahead and put those up. Got a, What he's done is he's taken pictures of people, and he's removed their devices. So there's a couple in bed, and here's people supposedly having a conversation, but they're having their conversations with their phone. And as I saw those pictures last week, I thought, if we've lost our ability to connect with each other, how in the world are we supposed to connect with God? God doesn't use an iPhone or Android. He doesn't care about either one. I think God, like with Moses, wants to speak to us face-to-face. Something that we don't even do with each other. So we're studying prayer. Kind of. Because our goal is not to study prayer. Our goal is to pray. So, before we go to the Scriptures, listen to that. God, it's you we come to today. Knowing that Without you reaching out to us, we'd have no ability to reach out to you. We don't know how we should pray sometimes. But we thank you that you are there to listen. And you have our best interest in mind because you are a good father. And it is today that we see your forgiving father. We thank you for that attribute of your character and that sacrifice. Open up Not just your word to us today, but yourself. We ask this in your name. Amen. We're kind of in this section where we're saying, well, what do I pray for? And how do I as a human being connect with God? One way we can connect with God is, as we said before, is recognizing God as our heavenly father. So we can connect with God at that level. And another way is to remove the impediments that block us from God. Our gospel ring this morning was, was the rich man and Lazarus and, and the rich man in the afterlife, he's separated by this huge chasm from paradise, from God. And as we go to prayer, it's like, what, what are the chasms or the mountains or whatever we want to call them that block us from God? And one impediment that Jesus wants us to all recognize is that everyone has debt. Debt can keep us from many good things. If I have too much debt, I can't go on vacation. If I have too much debt, maybe I can't buy a house. Good things, but maybe debt will keep them from, and debt keeps us from God. Our scripture today is Matthew 6:12. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles or, or on your smart device, of course, maybe you don't want to use a smart device. you seen those pictures. Matthew 6:12, short verse. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's talk about debt. Now, up until now, when we've been saying the Lord's Prayer together at the end of the sermon, we've been using the word trespasses. And that's okay. It's a Trespasses means sins. It means the wrong deeds or attitudes. Coming short of perfections. That's a fine translation of that word. There's nothing wrong with that translation. It's, it's the metaphorical definition of the word that is used there. But the word is literally debt. And I was trying to think of why, why in modern times have we started using the word trespasses instead of debt. I mean, trespasses is a very Christian kind of terminology word and debt you'd think everybody would be in there to understand. But I think one reason is we don't use debt because in our society, debt has the automatic implication of owe money. Money owed. And the thing is, this word debt, debt can be far more than money. I don't owe God any money. Well, maybe I do. Tithes and offerings. (laughs) But There's all kinds of things we can owe. I can owe obedience. I can owe time. Church pays me a salary. Guess what? I owe you time. We can owe honor. I made that vow when I got married. Now I owe it. We can owe faithfulness. I can owe rest. You know, we need to get a certain amount of sleep. And if we don't get that sleep, we begin to owe. One of the reasons that God states why He let the Israelites go into captivity is they didn't rest the land. And so they were in captivity for the amount of Sabbath years they owed. They owed rest. Sometimes we owe duty. We can owe love. We all owe love. We can owe instruction. And as we participate in today, we owe worship. There's a lot of things we owe besides money. And so that's why when we say debt, we have to think bigger than cash. Any obligation that's not paid fully when it's due is debt. any obligation to God or another person that maybe I don't or can't do to perfection. See, in this case, it doesn't matter if I make the intentional choice not to give what's due or if I can't give what is due because I just don't have it. Any obligation to God or another person that I can't or don't give to perfection when it's due is debt. So I was thinking about this for me. I owe a debt of fatherhood to my daughters, to my wife, and to God. And most of the time, I think I do the best that I can to pay that debt. Now, sometimes, hopefully, rarely, I may intentionally do a bad job. But I never do a perfect job of reflecting God my heavenly father so I owe and taking that as an illustration it could be any obligation work or position that any of us have you may just have some debt we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a few different political issues Today, I'm not taking a side on them, I'm just, they're good illustrations. We're gonna talk about student loan debt. For a minute. Now, the man on this slide in the middle there, that's Robert F. Smith. We're gonna get back to him later, so remember that face. He's at a graduation there. But think about this, it's not a sin, it's not evil to want to get a better education. In fact, we consider that a virtue. Get an education so you can do better in life. But as of June 2018, so this is a year ago, Forbes reported that total U.S. student debt was $1.52 trillion. That's a lot of debt. And that 44.2, that debt is spread out over 44.2 million people. 42 million people owe 1.1 and a half trillion dollars in student debt. The average student debt is about $40,000. With a median between 10 and 25,000. 2% of borrowers owe $100,000 or more. It's a lot of debt. For something that should be good, right? That can pile up. And that's just financial debt. What does the Bible say about debt? Romans four four and six twenty three. The Apostle Paul writes: Now to the one that works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something that, but as something owed. Okay, if I go to work, Steve goes to work. and if you go to work, you work, and your boss owes you now. They owe you for your time. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we live, and the work we happen to do, all of us in this life, is sin. And God's our boss. He says, I'll pay you for it. What we earn, what we now are owed, is death. Grace. Thought about this. It's, it's, it's like living life is like gambling with a bad hand or paying the minimum on a credit card debt that we have. The longer we play, the more in debt we go. And he's saying that's life. All have sinned. And so we just get more in debt. In this sense, better to die early. At least I don't owe as much. But death is death. Romans 3, 10 and 11, and verse 23. It is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have debt. I've got it. You've got it. People out there, our neighbors got it. Boss has it. And this is the one area that Jesus tells us to pray that he himself doesn't have to pray. And yet we can also realize that Jesus himself was tempted to come up short. So he can connect with us on that. If I want to connect with God, I've got to clear the debt. So to pray like Jesus, we ask for forgiveness. That's debt. And Jesus says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us. This word is literally transfer. Forgiveness is also a good translation. But like with debt, I think the literal word will give us a greater kind of understanding of what Jesus is telling us here. This word forgive means to lead or send away. This is not a cancellation. He's not saying God cancel my debt. He's not saying God forgive or forget my debt. He's not saying God destroy my debt. The request is not for the debt to be annihilated. The request is for the debt to be moved. This is a request for transfer. Have you ever considered that there are some things that just can't disappear? They can only move around? That's debt. It can't just disappear. Let's talk about Slavery and reparations, another controversial thing, probably more controversial than student loan debt. You know, chattel slavery in the United States ended, but the ramifications of it have been just pushed around for decades. Now, we're going to use this as an illustration, and you need to realize something about me, one obvious and one not so obvious. I am the descendants, a descendant of Slaves. Not so obvious. I'm also the descendant of slave owners. Something that should be obvious, I'm a taxpayer. So I realize that if our government ever made reparations for slavery, it would come out of the whole tax base, which means I'd be paying it too. Reparations don't just come from the white people. (laughs) Now, recently, a speech from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a recording, has been recovered. All the text hasn't been put online yet. I want you to hear part of his speech. I'm going to
1: play this. In 1863, the Negro was freed from the bondage of a physical slavery. Through the Emancipation Proclamation signed by Abraham Lincoln. But the Negro was not given any land to make that freedom meaningful. And you know, it was something like having a man in jail for years and years, and then you suddenly discover that this man is innocent. Go to him and say, now you are free. A man has been unjustly jailed for 35 or 40 years, and you just put him out of jail saying, now you are free. Don't give him any bus fare to get to town. No money to buy any clothes. No money to get something to eat. This is what happens to the black man in this country.
0: I'd let him continue to speak, but there's not. More recording audio that I could get. So let me read you some more. He was just told you were free, been enslaved for 244 years. He didn't have any family because it was a crime for the Negro during slavery to get married. They destroyed the Negro family. He didn't have any money because he didn't get paid anything. He didn't have any education because it was a crime for a Negro to learn to read and write, actually during the days of slavery. Some Negroes slipped away and tried to write as they would chop off their hands. Now America must hear about its sins because we will never understand what is happening in this country today without understanding that we are now reaping the harvest of terrible evil planted by seeds centuries ago. Yes, we were given emancipation, but no land to make it meaningful. And you know what? At that same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest. It was said the nation was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor, yet it would not do it for those who had been in the land, brought here in chains for 244 years, so emancipation for the Negro was freedom to hunger. One more paragraph. Everyone who's able ought to have a job in this country. And everybody who isn't able to work ought to have an income. That should be a guaranteed annual income. There are plenty of things that can be done to get jobs for the jobless. Jobs can be created very easily. It's possible to end poverty. The question is whether there is, whether the will is there. And Negroes can learn We hear all these things when we talk about employment. They tell us we're not qualified. Now, I don't know how you, how, what, yeah, I don't know what you feel about it. But that always gets me a little disgusted. Someone kept you in slavery for 244 years and then segregated and discriminated for another 100 years. And every time you get up to get to a job, They want you to have a W.E.B. Du Bois mind. And then beyond that, they want you to have a Ralph Bunch sense of international affairs and a Marilyn Monroe figure and a Lena Horne face. What's he saying? This debt from the past has been moved to the present, and now we're all left to question, is this debt mine? It doesn't feel like it should be mine. But my country didn't pay it when it was due. It just gets moved around. Some things don't go away, they just move. And God knew this. Numbers fourteen, eighteen. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. Forgive me iniquity and rebellion. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generation. If you keep sinning, it just gets kicked around. It doesn't just go away. Jeremiah two twenty two. What happens when we try and take care of it ourselves? Even if you wash with lye and use a great amount of bleach... The stain of your iniquity is still in front of me. This is the Lord God's declaration. It just doesn't go away. So I have this debt that can't be eliminated. It can only be moved. What do I do? We need to pray like Jesus and ask for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You need to know the cost. I've heard people say that it's hard to forgive. And I'll be honest, I've experienced that feeling myself. But one realization of forgiveness, this suddenly got a lot easier for me. See recently in my family some some family property came up for sale and at one point Jeff and I were asked, did we want to become a part of purchasing this some of this family land? Well, I still owe on my house in California. I've got student loans too. I'm a month away from having my car paid off. I can't take any more debt. So I said, nope. (laughs) You know, as the uh, political season has been wrapping up, I've heard a lot of interesting stuff. universal base income. Free college. Universal health care. Good-sounding things. How are we going to pay for it? That question needs to be answered, right? We can't just keep kicking it down. (laughs) When I forgive another person, guess what? I can't take their debt either. I have my own debt to God and other people. So if Emma were to say to me, Pastor Paul, will you forgive me? I can't take her sin. And that's why we think it's hard to forgive, I think. Well, I gotta take it. It doesn't go away, so it must go on me. Nope. How I forgive another person is the same way God forgives me. We transfer the debt to the one person who can take it. Jesus. That makes it a whole lot easier for you to forgive. It's not on me. Jesus says, "We forgive us our debt as we forgive others' debt. Transfer it to the third party, <laughs> back to God. Isaiah 53, 6. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned our own way, and the Lord punished him for the iniquity of us all. It's not on me. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians six eleven. Some of you used to be like this. He lends to the bust of sins. He says, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Lay it on Jesus. Job 11.15 Then you will hold your head high, free from fault. You will be firmly established and unafraid. Pass it to Jesus. Pray like Jesus, we ask for forgiveness. Remember Robert F. Smith at the graduation? He's a philanthropist and entrepreneur. He was the uh, commencement speaker at Morehouse University this year. And As he stood up, he said, this is my graduating class. I'm paying all your student loan debt. Yeah, he got a lot of Cheers. He didn't just pay the debts of the students. He also paid any debts that the parents and guardians of the class of 2019 incurred while their children were in college. $34 million for one graduating class. Somebody had to pay it. It couldn't just go away. John eight thirty six If the Son sets you free, then you will really be free. And Ephesians two twenty seven tells us why he did this. Jesus did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or anything like that. But holy and blameless. Give it to Jesus. Let's pray. From Psalm 146. Hallelujah, my soul, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life and I will sing to God as long as I live. I do not trust in kings, I do not trust in any son of man who cannot save. Because when our breath leaves us, we simply return to the ground. And on that day, our plans die. But happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow the Lord reigns forever for all generations. Lord God, your plans can never be frustrated. It is you who can set us free. We thank you for the forgiveness that is in Jesus Christ. And we ask for it today for ourselves. We ask for it for those who have sinned against us. We ask for for those who have sinned against you. May people connect with you, holy and blameless. And we ask this in the name of your Son, our perfect sacrifice. Amen. Amen. You stand and sing with us amazing love.